It is so encouraging to see God working in the middle of this storm. And hey, I want to encourage you when we gather for worship like this, I know if you were watching the Indianapolis Colts play that you might cheer at times, you might let out a hoot or a holler, and it's okay at home to say amen, to raise your hands in worship, even to clap. I know for me, seeing what God is doing, even though we're still in this storm, even though there's still so much pain and suffering in our world, we are seeing every day evidence that God is alive and that he's working right now. And I wanna encourage you today as we get into God's word that the things that you're feeling are normal. I don't know what you've been feeling this week. I know this week I felt a time where I was just so frustrated meeting with all my team by video and they're all doing a great job. But I had one of my favorite meetings of the week every week and I had to have it by video. And afterwards I was telling my wife Mel that night, it's just not the same. Yeah, I think there's kind of a grieving. There's a sense that we're all kind of trapped and we're all kind of afraid of different things, afraid for our health or afraid for our finances. And, you know, I like to lighten things up. And so I got to tell you a self-deprecating story about myself when I was trapped and uncomfortable. It involves this island in Canada. Here's a picture of the island. This is me and Mel right after we met. Now, Mel's not part of this story, but I had to show you. This is my only picture of this island. This is a massive lake in Canada that my family, I grew up in Michigan, and we would go to this lake every summer. It's a really big lake, very deep, hundreds of feet deep in places. When a windstorm comes through, I mean, it could get very big waves. It's big water. Well, one year when I was in college, before I even knew Mel, I had a friend with me up there and he and I decided that we were gonna row a rowboat out to the island. In fact, I have a picture of me rowing this rowboat when I was in college. There I am in all my college glory. And we decided we were gonna take our sleeping bags from the cabin and we were gonna spend the night on that island. So we got out there and we made a little fire and we had some snacks. We set up our sleeping bags and the sun set and I mean, the stars up there are magnificent. And, you know, we started to get really uncomfortable. Like we didn't really think about the fact that we'd be sleeping on an uneven rock. So we had our sleeping bags, but we didn't really have anything to put under either of us to soften the rock. It was totally uncomfortable, but it got worse. I don't know when you've been camping, if you've ever experienced or heard of this little bug called chiggers. Chiggers are these little bugs. And so we were in the middle of the night and all of a sudden we're both getting these bug bites all over us. I mean, there's mosquitoes, there's chiggers. And we start to realize there's no way we can row the rowboat back to where the cabin is because it's really big water. It's pitch black at night. The waves are big. To get out in a rowboat on that water in night would, would be really foolish, if not a death sentence. And so we just had to endure probably the most painful, uncomfortable night of sleep of my life, the night with the chiggers. Now, I tell you that story because I'm guessing you can relate right now, hopefully not to the chiggers, but I'm guessing you can relate to feeling trapped, feeling uncomfortable. In fact, I've seen so many funny memes on the internet about how we all feel right now. Here's one of them. This person says on Twitter, here's a perfect representation of how I look working from the office versus working from home, right? We're all like living in our pajamas and life is just getting so bizarre because we're all kind of trapped and frazzled and frustrated. And underneath all that, we all have legitimate fear about what's going on. So here's the question that I wanna answer with you today. 
What can you do where you are weary, where you're going without, and where you're staring into an impossible future? I don't know which of those phrases best apply to you right now. Weary, going without. I mean, you're going without seeing your favorite friends, going to your favorite places. And maybe you just feel like I'm staring into an impossible future. Maybe it's because of your health. Maybe it's because of your finances, the fact that your business is closed or the fact that you've lost your job and you just don't know what the future is possibly gonna be like. I mean, if I could answer this question for you from the word of God, if God has an answer to this question, an answer that applies in what you're going through right now, would you wanna know God's answer? I know I sure do. And so let's find God's answer in the book of Exodus. Now, last week, we looked at this incredible story where God's people found themselves in an impossible situation. They were trapped between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea, and we saw that God made a way. And we learned last week this verse, to just stay calm, the Lord will fight for you. In fact, as we travel through Exodus today, I'm going to tell you some stories of some Red Seas that our God parted for our church and for individuals in our church during this last week. But after God's people made their way through the Red Sea, guess where they found themselves in another impossible situation? Starts like this in Exodus 16, verse 2, in the desert. So let's not skip over that. They get through the Red Sea. Exodus 15, they sing these beautiful praises to God. They have a great worship service. And then they continue and they realize we're in a desert. In fact, I've brought along a real picture of this exact desert. I mean, you talk about barren. You talk about having your spouse and your kids and about at least a million other people with you and your only earthly possessions that you can carry with you and you look out and this is what you see. There's no water to drink. There's no food to eat. There's no takeout restaurants that you can get takeout from. There's no gas stations. There's no automobiles. I mean, this looks impossible. I wonder in your life right now, what is it that you're looking out at and it just looks so impossible. I mean, maybe it's, I don't know how I'm gonna make it this many weeks with my kids in the house, or maybe it's as severe as I have a loved one who's already got COVID-19 and I don't know if they're gonna make it. And everything in between, I don't know how I'm gonna pay the bills. I don't know how I'm gonna make it through this. I don't know how I'm gonna deal with my fear and anxiety on a daily basis. It looks impossible. And look at the second half of this verse. In the desert, the whole community grumbled. The whole community grumbled. Now, I can guarantee you've probably never heard another pastor say this. I think this is great that they grumbled. Now, typically we give these Israelites a really hard time, you know, why would they grumble? Why don't they trust God? But let's be honest, if we were in that desert, we'd be grumbling too. And here's what I like about the Israelites. They were real about their emotions. And here's where I want to encourage you. Right now, you're probably feeling some fear if you're in touch with what's going on in the world. Or you're feeling some anger. Or you're feeling some anxiety. And what we see in Exodus 16 is that God's people, for all their imperfections, one thing they did right, they brought those feelings to God. And I just want to encourage you today, keep bringing those feelings to God. 
Every day, if you feel like, I'm in denial, this just can't be happening, bring it to God. You feel like, I'm so afraid of the future, bring it to God. I'm so angry, why is this happening? Why can't I go to my normal place? Why is my business closed down? Bring it to God. They brought these emotions to God. And then in verse three, I love this because this happens to us. The Israelites said, if only we had died. I mean, if only we had died in Egypt there, we sat around pots of meat, these big old pots of meat, and now we're in the desert and we ate all the food we wanted. Now, let me point something out to you. This is not true. <laughs> they were slaves in Egypt. But when we're going through trauma, when we're going through difficulty, our emotions can warp our view of reality. And it's like we're looking at reality through one of those funhouse mirrors. You know what a funhouse mirror looks like? Here's a funhouse mirror, right? You, you can't see what's actually real. And in times of, of extreme emotion, times of, of extreme trauma, our emotions warp our view of reality. And we can look at the past and say, oh, it was so good back then. I mean, here's the Israelites. They were slaves. They weren't allowed to have children. They had to kill their boys when they were born, right? Life was miserable. But now in the, in the cyclone of trauma, they're looking through a funhouse mirror and they say, oh, the past was perfect. And when we're in trauma, the past can seem like it was perfect and the future can look like it's impossible. There's no way, but God's bigger than our emotions. Our emotions are valid, but we use them to say, God, I need you. I need you. In fact, look how out of touch they were with reality. They're gonna say to Moses, you brought us out into this desert to starve every one of us. We're all just gonna, we're gonna waste away. Our bodies are gonna get emaciated. We're gonna starve to death. Now, as they say this, are they starving to death? No, they're not. They're hungry. They're legitimately hungry, but they're not malnourished. They're not starving to death. What has them so worked up isn't where they stand today. It's them thinking about tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And when they add all that up and it's all so impossible, that's what is crushing them. Well, God hears them. And in verse four, he says this, I will rain down bread from heaven. Uh, this isn't gonna be normal bread. This isn't gonna be like a miracle where some other nation shows up with a bunch of extra bread. God says, I'm gonna do a really radical miracle. I'm gonna rain down bread from heaven. And here's what I want you to do, Israelites. Each day, go out, this bread will be on the ground, and gather just enough for that day. You're gonna be tempted to you know, stockpile and gather bread for months and months, but here's the thing. I'm always in the next day. I exist in the future. So just take what you need for today and trust that I'm already in tomorrow providing enough. Providing enough. Well, verse 35 tells us that the Israelites, they ate this manna, this bread from heaven for 40 years. One day at a time, I mean, they looked out into the future and they said, it's impossible. It's one impossible day after another, after another. But God, the God of the impossible, was standing in the future. He was waiting in every one of those days. And for 40 years, he sustained them. You know, none of us want to go through a desert in life. 
We don't want to go through uncomfortable circumstances. The Israelites did not enjoy this. It wasn't easy, but here's the thing. God was faithful to them. And he was faithful all the way until they reached the promised land, the land that God had promised to them where, where there was plenty and where the grass was green and where everything was provided for. So how can you and I apply this to our lives? I mean, what can you do today where you're so weary and you're going without and you feel trapped and the future looks impossible? Here's God's answer from Exodus 16. Where you see no resources, God will provide. And you know how he's gonna provide? He's gonna do it one day at a time. He's gonna do it one day at a time and it might look different for different ones of us, but if you're his child and you call out to him like the Israelites did, you can claim this as a promise. He's gonna provide what I need today. I might not know where tomorrow's resources are gonna come from, but my God will give me what I need today. And so instead of putting my trust in the resources, I'm gonna put my trust in the God who makes resources. I'm gonna lift my eyes to the God of heaven. I wonder right now, where is it that you don't have enough? Maybe you don't have enough peace. Maybe you don't have enough faith. Maybe you don't have enough to pay the mortgage. Maybe you don't have enough patience for your kids or patience for your spouse who you're stuck in the house with for however many weeks. Here's what I want you to know. In this desert, God wants you to experience him like you've never experienced him before. And you've got this choice one day at a time. Are you gonna call out to him with your emotions? Are you gonna look to him to provide what you need? If you will do that, you will experience him like never before. And if you don't do that, you'll find that you become just riddled with anxiety and you'll, you'll miss out on a chance to see God reign bread from heaven. You know, the beautiful thing we're learning is that you don't have to control tomorrow. I'm a control freak as much as any of you are. and We don't have to control tomorrow. We're in a situation where now some of the ways we used to control tomorrow are impossible. But you don't have to control tomorrow because your father's already in tomorrow. He's already providing enough for you, enough for your loved ones. We'll have to tell you one way I've experienced this as a leader of our movement. A week ago today, one of the things I was so nervous about was this live stream that we're experiencing right now. I mean, last weekend we had 6,800 people who gathered in these live services and we get to connect you to God. And I was on a text thread with a bunch of lead pastors who live all around the world and some of them in Canada and some other US states had said, John, with this lockdown, we can't, we're not allowed to go to our church to film our live stream. And as a lead pastor, I just started getting real, real nervous and saying, God, this live stream, I mean, this is the one thing we have right now to connect with our people. What if that gets taken away from us? And as I prayed about that and said, God, what can we do? God allowed us to get a message directly from our church, directly to Governor Holcomb of Indiana. Governor Holcomb read that a week ago, Sunday morning. And then Monday, he announced the statewide stay-at-home order. And I've got to tell you guys, what a miracle that when he announced that, he said this, religious leaders are encouraged to continue live streaming services 
while practicing social distance. I mean, to me, I, I felt like it, we were standing at the Red Sea as a church. I thought, man, if we lose our live stream, I can try to record a message from home, but I don't think it's gonna be the same. And God made a way. Now, did this happen because we got a letter to the governor of Indiana? No. This happened because God makes a way. This happened because God rains bread from heaven. This happens because God already was existing in the future that was uncertain to us, and he was already providing. And by the way, join me in praying for Governor Holcomb and for all of our state officials as they do their best to navigate us through this. But what a beautiful way as a church we experienced already at the beginning of this crisis that God is going before us and we don't have to control tomorrow because God's already there and we pour out our emotions to him. And as we do that, sometimes he gives an idea. Hey, check with all the other pastors. Does anyone have access to the governor? Does anyone know? God will give you ideas as you pray. Bring your concerns to him. Cast all your cares on him. He cares for you. And it's when you're bringing those emotions to him that the Holy Spirit might whisper in your ear, hey, here's a way to do your business in this time that you never thought of. Or here's an open door that you never thought of. In my experience, they come, those open doors, when we bring it to God in prayer. Well, as a church, we're experiencing that God provides for us one day at a time. But so many individuals in our church are also experiencing this. And I wanna encourage you as a parent, if you're a parent or if you're a caretaker and you're nervous about the people you're providing for, take this as a monument for you. Because I was so nervous for our flock and I gave it to God and he provided a way. And if you're nervous for a parent that you're taking care of an elderly loved one, or you've got a, a young one who has asthma and you're nervous, bring those emotions to God. Say, God, you will make a way. You will provide our daily bread. Well, we're also seeing within our church family, God do miracles for individuals. And here's one of them, a dear brother of ours, Daryl Skaggs. Daryl has been battling cancer for more than a year now. So long before the COVID crisis, Daryl was already dealing with a body that is broken down and just trusting God. And Daryl is just a tower and a pillar of faith in God. He has turned to God in his suffering. And I love it. He just posted this on Facebook today. April 3rd is my next Fastlidex injection for his cancer treatment. He says, I wasn't looking forward to going back to the hospital because there's so many coronavirus cases in that hospital. So this is something he was anxious and nervous about as he looked into the future. And today he says this, as he kept giving that to God, God took care of it. I received a call from my oncologist office last night and my treatments are being moved away from that hospital where COVID cases are and instead to a different location, God is good. God made a way for Daryl. God made a way for our church. God's going to make a way for you. He's going to provide your daily bread. And here's what we're learning. I don't have to control tomorrow because my father's already there and he's providing enough. Some of you, if you're not watching this on your phone, you need to pull your phone out and you just need to take a picture of that. Or you can take a screenshot on your phone. When you feel like, God, what do I do? I can't control my income in a month or in a week or even just tomorrow. Guess what? Your father's already there. So call out to him. He's already there. He's capable to provide miraculously for you in that uncertain future. Where in your life right now do you just need to absorb this into your soul? 
I mean, maybe it's just as simple as you're an extrovert and you're going crazy that you're stuck in a house. God's providing. It might be through Zoom or FaceTime or some unexpected way. It might be through our church live prayer on Tuesday nights or live worship on Thursday nights that you get on that chat and you start interacting with other people in our church. God's gonna provide. Where do you need to absorb this into your soul right now? Well, let's look back into this story of God and the Israelites in the desert and let's learn some more ways that we can survive when we're going without and when the impossible, when the future looks so impossible. Verse four says this, after God said, I'm gonna send down manna from heaven, he says, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. This is really interesting because did you know that God is a God who does test his followers? He tests our faith and it's not too different from the kind of tests that you took in high school like this. You know, nobody likes tests. Well, nobody normal anyway. It was funny, I was putting together these slides for this message and our creative director, Aaron Williams, I showed him this and I said, nobody likes taking a test. And he said, John, I love taking tests. I said, Aaron, you're not normal, okay? Nobody normal. We love you, Aaron, but you're not normal. No one normal likes taking tests, at least I didn't. Here's the thing your faith is gonna be tested in this season. Whether or not you like it. It's okay if you don't like it, okay? And here's the thing, I can't take your test for you, right? I had a test as a leader a week ago and I was saying, God, are we gonna be able to keep live streaming? No one else could take that test for me. You've got a test as a dad. You've got a test as a college student. You've got a test as a grandparent. You've got a test as someone who's in the most vulnerable group, you're in the, elderly group and you've got a lung condition. We've all got a different test and I wish I could take your test for you, but I can't. I can't take your test for you, but here's what I can do. I can let you copy off my answers, okay? So let me give you the answer that will get you through the test of this next season and it's this. It's that you look to God one day at a time. Look to God one day at a time. This sounds so simple, but this is deeply profound and difficult to actually live out. We're gonna see that what God was teaching the Israelites with the manna is trust me one day at a time. If I gave you enough food for the next 40 years, God says, you'd forget about me and you would just depend on your food. But what he's teaching the Israelites and what he's teaching us is look to me, God says, one day at a time. Wake up saying, God, I need you to meet my needs today. Every time your emotions, you know, impulsively call out in fear or anxiety or just legitimate grief about what's going on in the world, you take it to God one day at a time. Every night when you lay down in bed and all the fears run through your mind, all those fears, you bring them to God one day at a time. And that's how you do it. That's how the Israelites for 40 years, nobody starved. No one was malnourished. For 40 years, God met their needs and he did it one day at a time. I've got to promise you this from God. He will meet your needs one day at a time. He will meet your needs. He promises to meet your needs one day at a time. So don't look to the stock market to meet your needs. Don't look to when can my business open to meet your needs. 
Don't look to social media or to your resources or even to the government. Now, those are all fine things and we can pray for God to work in those things, but don't put your trust in those things. There's a great Psalm in the scriptures that says, don't put your trust in princes, put your trust in the God of heaven. Pray for God to work through all those things. Pray for the day you can reopen your business or be rehired. Pray that God gives wisdom to our government leaders. That's what we're doing every Tuesday night, but ultimately place your trust in the Lord, look to him one day at a time. He wants to meet your needs, but even more than that, he wants to meet the deeper need inside of you to experience him like never before. I've got a friend who's passing the test and I wanna read you something he wrote and it describes how he's passing the test. Now what's unique about this friend is that he's a medical doctor. And so he's on the front lines with COVID-19. He's being exposed every day. You talk about fear, anxiety, uncertainty. He's got young children at home, three young children. And every day he's wondering, am I gonna get this? Now we're starting to get reports around the country of healthcare workers who are getting it. And am I gonna bring this home to my wife or to my kids? And he posted this beautiful picture of some brand new life growing up out of the dead of winter, now that spring has sprung. Here's what he wrote. I was standing outside this evening with my kids, enjoying hearing their laughter, even while I was trying to quell the repeated sense of anxiety and dread that keeps rising up within me. He says, I happened to walk into our backyard and just above the surface of the ground, where last year's leaves and decay were lying, I saw new life. He says, I was reminded that in the midst of this darkness, God is still here. He's the author of life. And he sent his son to die in our place so that we can have hope. He says, Jesus knew stress and despair, just like we do. And in his deepest grief, he sweat drops of blood. And even though he was innocent, he entered into all of our pain to willingly pay our sin debt. And so our brother in the Lord, this medical doctor, he says, so rest assured, God knows and understands your fears even more than you can know and understand them. And he said this, I confess that I often struggle to hold on to these truths. And the hope that Jesus offers is found in him, but thankfully his hope doesn't depend on my strength. I love it. Then he quotes these words from Jesus in Luke chapter 12. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples when they were nervous. And I, I just want you to hear these words as Jesus speaking to you, quoted from the very word of God. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and your body is more than your clothes. Consider the birds of the air. Last night I was on a bike ride with Zoe and we stopped and I said, let's just close our eyes and count how many different bird noises we can hear. We counted five, the sound of five different birds, all finding food from the God who provides for them. Birds don't sow and reap. They don't store away in a barn, but God feeds them aren't you worth much more than the birds? The answer is yes, you are. You're made in the image of God. You're bought with a price. You're his son or his daughter. Luke 12 continues, don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink and don't be anxious. 
That word strive is this idea of launching out into the future with anxiety and saying, I've got I've to get it all figured out. Don't strive. Don't wear yourself out because God is looking out for you. Seek his kingdom and all these things will be provided for you. And hear this from the father to you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the very kingdom. There's gonna be a new heaven. There's gonna be a new earth. You already own it all as a co-heir with Christ. Invest your life into heaven and the kingdom of God for where your treasure is, where you put your treasure, that reveals where your heart is. Well, let's keep reading through Exodus 16. God said, I'm gonna rain this manna from heaven. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, this flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. And this is such a beautiful picture because, you know, Jesus is the bread of life. And just like this, this manna would come at nighttime, Jesus was born at night, wasn't he? As the shepherds were tending their fields by night. Jesus came as the light of the world into the darkness. He came into a desert world where we're all spiritually starving. And he said, I'm the bread of life. I love it. There's so many metaphors in this passage that Egypt is like our slavery. Before we knew Christ, we were slaves to sin. The desert is really our journey through this world. Even when times are great, life in this world will never be perfect. And then there's the promised land. That's heaven. That's what we're headed toward. And we can get there because God will provide manna one day at a time. Now, this is kind of funny part of the story. The first day that the manna appears, the Israelites are puzzled when they see it. They're confused. And they say, what is it? In fact, did you know when we use the word manna, that word manna is a Hebrew word for what is it? That's literally what it means. And so get this, God provides for them, but it wasn't the food they were used to. They look at this food from God and they say, what is it? Right? I mean, if you're a cook and you work really hard on a meal and you give it to someone, you don't want to hear the first thing they say be, what is it? Right? But that's what God's people say because God's going to provide for them, but it's not the way they'd prefer and it's not the way they've known in the past. Well, Moses answers their question of what is it? Verse 15, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. You know, for some of us in this time, we need to feel our hunger like never before. Instead of spiritualizing and saying, oh, if I feel anger or grief or anything, that's unspiritual. No, those hungers are real. You've got to acknowledge them and you've got to bring them to God. And God's going to meet those hungers. Now, he might not meet them the way you wanted or the way you had them met in the past, but he will meet them. You know what else is interesting about this is that this manna was down on the ground. So every day when they'd go out, they had to stoop down to pick this bread up. Do you know that the bread of life through Jesus, you have to stoop down, you have to humble yourself to receive Jesus as your Lord and to receive him as the one who provides for you every day, not our own strength, not by our might, but by God's strength. We humble ourselves one day at a time and a situation like this allows us to return to a posture of humility before God. And then, of course, you've got to actually eat it. 
If you've never eaten the bread of life, if you've never believed in Jesus, Romans 10 verse 10 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You've got to actually believe to experience God providing for you eternal life and one day at a time, daily bread. Well, verse 16, God commands me, says this, everyone, each day you're going to wake up and your whole front yard's going to be covered with this bread. So go out and just take as much as you need. If you're a big dude who's been working really hard, you need a whole bunch, eat as much as you need. If you're a little person, you don't need to eat that much. That's fine. Just take what you need for that day, right? Like here's how much I need for breakfast. Here's how much I need for lunch. Here's how much I need for dinner. Just worry about today. Don't take what you need for tomorrow. In fact, look at verse 19. Moses tells him, no one's to keep any of it. In other words, don't grab a bunch and take it to your tent and stockpile it because, well, verse 20, here's what happens. <laughs> Some of them disobey, they stockpile it anyway, and they keep part of it till morning, but in the morning it was full of maggots and began to smell. Now this is interesting because God's trying to teach them, I'll provide for you a day at a time, and just like me, just like some of you, there were certain ones of them who said, okay, God, that's good, but I'd like to get more than just a day at a time. And so they wore themselves out getting wheelbarrows full of this stuff. And when they wake up the next morning, it's full of maggots, but they walk out of their tent and the ground's covered in it again. So God's gonna keep teaching them one day at a time for 40 years, you don't have to control tomorrow because I'm already there and I'm providing enough. You can wear yourself out or you can rest in the God who provides. And as we saw in verse 35, for 40 years, God keeps providing. Well, let me share with you a true story of how God miraculously provided bread from heaven for a family in our church. This last Tuesday night, we gathered online for a time of prayer. And in that time of prayer on Tuesday night, we specifically prayed for healthcare workers, for those who are sick or vulnerable in our church, and we prayed for local business owners in our church. In fact, we prayed specifically for this couple, Abby and Brian McKinney. And we prayed for them because they've had to close the doors of their local business. They'd have to, they'd, they've had to lay off their staff. And I love it that hundreds of us, actually probably a couple thousand of us, gathered and prayed for them on Tuesday night. Now listen how God answered our prayers. Abby wrote a letter this last week and she said this, thank you doesn't seem like enough right now, but thank you for all your prayers. God is working and the craziest thing happened today. She said, as you know, I've had to lay off my staff and I've worried about them constantly, but the new stimulus package that passed will be able to give them 47% of their pay plus $600 a week while they're laid off. Huge answer to prayer. Then Abby said this, here's the crazier thing. I've worried about how this will affect my own income and it's caused a lot of anxiety and uncertainty. She said, my accountant, this is two days after we prayed for her as a church. My accountant called me today. He found a huge mistake in my tax withholdings. I've been paying my withholdings and my payroll company's been paying it. So I'm going to get back enough money to cover my income for four months. Abby said, I'm in shock. 
He found this error completely randomly and I know God had a hand in it. God is so good and I'm so thankful for Connection Point. You all have grown my faith so much over the last 12 years and I know I wouldn't be where I am today if not for you as a church family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What happened here? Abby and her husband had to go through a desert and it was uncomfortable and they called out to God and we as a church family called out to God and he has provided manna from heaven for them. He's gonna provide for you. It might not look the exact same way, It might not be exactly what you want. You might look at it and say, what is it? But he's gonna provide for you. In John 6, Jesus says, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. There is manna from heaven for you every day through the person of Jesus. Have you received him into your soul through faith so that you know you have eternal life? Are you looking to him one day at a time to meet your deepest needs. As you think about him meeting your deepest needs, I've just got to read you this beautiful, beautiful conversation that someone wrote up of their conversation with God during this very frightening time. The person said this, maybe you'll relate to this, coming to God and feeling like, how do I even pray in this time? And the person's right, here's me. Okay, God, here's the thing. I'm scared. I'm trying not to be scared, but I am scared. And God says, I know. What, do you want to talk about it? Me, do we need to? I mean, you already know everything I'm feeling. God says, let's talk about it anyway. We've done this before. Me, I know. I just feel like I should be bigger and I should be stronger or something. God, patiently, unannoyed, waiting Me, okay, so I'm afraid I'll do everything I can to protect my family and that it just won't be enough. I'm afraid of someone I love dying. I'm afraid the world will never go back to the way it was before. I'm afraid my life is always gonna just be unsettled from here on out. And God says, anything else? Everything else. God says this, remember how your son woke up the other night and came running down the hall to your bedroom? Yeah. You were still awake. So when you heard him running, you started calling out to him before he even got to you. Do you remember what you called out to him? And the person responds, I said, you're okay. You're okay. I'm here. God, why did you call to him? Why didn't you just wait for him to get to your room? Me, because I wanted him to know that I was awake. I wanted him to know that I heard him and that he didn't have to be afraid until he reached the end of that dark, dark hallway. God says this, exactly. I hear you, dear child. I hear your thoughts racing like feet down the dark hallway and there's an other side to this. There's an end to this and I'm already there. I've seen the end of it. And I want you to know, right as you go through this hallway of the impossible, you're okay. I haven't gone to sleep. I won't go to sleep. 
The person responds and says, crying to God. Can we just sit here for a while? Can we sit here a minute before I have to go back to feeling it all? And God says, there's nothing that I'd love more. Father, we come to you right now. We bring you all of our feels. We bring you all of our anxiety. We bring you our fear. We bring you that we're even afraid of what we're feeling. We're afraid that we won't have enough. We're afraid for those we love. We're afraid because the future looks so impossible. And God, right now you're telling us, I'm here. I've given you your daily bread. And instead of freaking out about controlling tomorrow, look to me. Look to me one day at a time. And so God, we just, we do look to you right now. We bring you all of our emotions. We bring you our anger. We bring you our disappointment. We bring you our hunger, our dissatisfaction. We just bring it all to you. And God, would you grow our faith? We don't wanna walk through this desert any more than the Israelites wanted to walk through their desert. But God, you showed yourself. You showed that you're a God who rains bread from heaven miraculously. And in this last week, you showed us that as a church. You've showed it to business owners and those who have cancer in our church who are experiencing you one day at a time. And God, it's our prayer. We just wanna experience you like never before. We wanna run to you. And God, as we do, I just pray for every person watching this, would they experience you this week? One day at a time that you're gonna give them their bread. You're gonna give them their peace. You're gonna give them their healing. You're gonna give them their mortgage payment. You're gonna give them relationship. You're gonna give them fulfillment. God, we look to you. Forgive us for all the other Egypts, all the other things we've looked to. We turn our eyes to you and God, just give us strength one day at a time to go out, to take what we need for today and to trust that you're already in tomorrow providing enough. We love you, Jesus. You're the bread of life. These promises are true because of what you did on the cross. And so we sing, we lift up our hearts to you on these songs now. We pray in your name, amen.